0: everyone. It's your boy. Bye, though. I'm gonna thank a few patrons this week, because I haven't had much to do. Because, you know, I've been captured and everything. Classic damsel stuff, you know what I'm saying? And they've really been taking their sweet time to come get me. Nobody casting sending on me. Or, you know, trying to invade my dreams. I hope they're not doing anything cool, like exploiting magic and stuff. Having cool adventures inside of other planes, and no, they wouldn't do anything like that without me. I'm like their best board. But anyway, I've got this list of names here that has attached itself to one of the vines in front of my face. I already read all, like, the shampoo bottles and stuff that are around on the floor, so I guess I'll read this now. But only out of boredom. Thank you very much to Mac... Oh no, I fucked it up already. Hold on, let me start again. <clears throat> Thank you very much to Michael Appleby, Hudson Mines, Robert Hawks... Christopher Dunn Entertainment, Nick Scott, Ian Ford, and Gullitice. Y'all the best. You keeping that caravan rollin', and I hope they're rollin' towards me, because I'm getting hungry. Also, Matthew Smets, Miri Ray, Chris Walsh, Christopher Bruce, Mike Hammond, and Michael Pollard. Your princess is in another castle. Just kidding, I'm right here. Oh, please rescue me. Hey there, Jason Campbell, Michelle B., Heather Romantic, Noreen Elizabeth, Robert Andrews, and David Forsey. Y'all want to come up with like a good plan and maybe email it to us? Because I don't know why I have this sinking gut feeling that they've got a bad plan and that I'm going to die. What about you all, Heather Baird, Cheryl N, Chelsea Dab, and Shell Scott? You seem like reasonable folks. Although you are standing behind this group, so I don't know. I guess in lieu of rescuing me before the party does, all of your support is very much appreciated. And all of the dollars that you are throwing towards us are hopefully going to buy some basket of pastries and a nice big banner that says, Hey, by sorry you got captured and sorry it took us friggin' forever to come get you. But I'm not going to take up any more time for every word that I say here is another step they are not taking towards coming to get me. So, remember to keep calm and tunnel on. See you soon!
1: Previously on Wonders and Blunders, the caravan crew made their way ever closer to Lilia's lair. Star has found himself the target of her nightmare magic, attacking his mind as he falls asleep. Kara and Hoom discovered that they were also being followed in the night by darklings riding strange, hideous raven creatures through the trees. And despite reaching out to Bree, Rowan, Paulina, and even the Chained Legionnaire, Valen has been unable to discern any more information about the location of Kratok. But now as they draw closer to their goal, Hume and Diglin's Hawks have taken flight to try to find a river entrance that an eel holding a bag could fit through. Meanwhile, under the sea... Bree and Rowan have started pushing buttons in the Crystal Cathedral's control room, one of which turned on the lights outside, revealing a tableau of war against crazy undersea creatures and the lost society of storm giants. Another one of the buttons they tried seemed to reactivate the giant forge in the next room over, and with the green light of the colossal eye also seemingly pointing them in that direction, they made their way to investigate. We rejoin the caravan crew now, after a solid morning of of bag-of-holding testing and dream connections, as they wait for the return of the scouting birds, on this week's episode of Wonders and Blunders.
2: I guess we're just waiting to hear back from the birds?
3: Uh, yeah, um... We
2: also... Did we...
3: We're, did we... Oh, we were gonna... I think the plan was to do it the next day, and we were gonna tell Kara in the morning, right? So that... Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. All
2: right. So that she can so, prepare the correct spells that morning, but yeah. so that Lilia can't get into her dreams. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we
3: also know that we weren't, we mm-hmm. also weren't yelling the plan or crawling openly into a bag of holding.
2: <laughs> so she does just she know she's yeah. on the wiser, no, no. Who may or may not have seen people jumping in and out of a bag. We can either confirm nor deny.
1: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So I guess, yeah, we're just waiting for the bird reconnaissance.
1: Ah. I, I think you would like have dinner. A couple of hours would go by waiting for the birds to return. Whom Is flying over the mountain. These three birds kind of flying in formation, every once in a while splitting up, uh, and coming back, gesturing if there's anything interesting or important for everyone to see. Uh, you fly straight up at first and find the entrance, that ruined temple at the top of this low mountain in front of you. Uh, and at first... From out here, there is no activity.
4: Is this a wooded region or, or barren? Uh,
1: it's fairly barren up here. The the it, it is still tall enough that most of the trees get just stripped away by the wind, but a very low section of the mountain in comparison to the world spine around it. So very, very barren, just these, these old stone steps that have been almost worn away, these sections of temple that have fallen apart in disrepair over the years, and the whole in the ground that the party all climbed out of to escape. Doing a closer investigation, kind of looking down inside, do you want to do, um, would, do you want to go stealthily, or do you want to just kind of fly down and do
4: perception? Uh, well, an owl's feathers make no noise, so, uh, <laughs> jot that down. Uh, <laughs> and that's every time, baby! It's canon for good! No, no clumsy owls um, here. I definitely, yeah, he'll be, uh, uh, being stealthy.
1: Yeah, you can do it at advantage.
4: Oh, uh, 21. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, it's just gonna, like, turn and, and fully dive, uh, like, turn in the air and, and dive straight down the hole. Okay.
1: Um, so you dive into the hole and have to break hard and you come, like, crashing into a bramble. Twisting up through this hallway in front of you are these thick purple vines with these wicked thorns on them that all seem to be dripping this black liquid out of them. Uh, You're able to, as you fly down, dodge the first bramble, and before, like, clipping your wing on something and just spinning out entirely... You're able to regain your space as there is a small tunnel that does make its way through these brambles. Um, the two hawks stay outside and kind of perch above the hole looking down at you as you disappear into the dark.
4: Yeah, whom Whom? Cannonball runs it? <laughs> Just yeah. full out Death Star run. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So twisting and turning through these vines, uh, like you're you're very small, so you are able to fit through here. Anything larger would have a much more difficult time. You get to the edge and looking down, you can see whom has seen this place, right? No. So
4: he, he yeah, he he was controlling Ben until the end of the middle of the fight with the rook. Um, but he would have he would have seen this place, I guess, yeah, and uh, scattered glimpses through Ben's uh, memories. So
1: there is an expectation when you come around the corner of what this room is going to look like, and it has changed significantly. The gate, the Stardance gate itself, is sitting pristine, and it, it looks like it has been cleared off. All the rubble around it has been moved out of the way, and all of that rubble has been repurposed into benches and tables all scattered with all forms of strange reagents and tools Uh, there are several darklings probably about 10 darklings working their way around but no longer working to excavate it seems that they're trying to work their equipment that they used to excavate the gate they're trying to pry it out from brambles which are now, like, sprouting up through the ground around the gate and covering the walls of the room. The bridge that had fallen down is now reformed with brambles creating a braid across it, this thorned bridge. And looking down, you see... uh, Make a perception check. 18. 18? Uh, You see Light and Bido. And they are both on the other side of the room, wrapped in brambles. They both appear to be unconscious. And there are darklings standing near them, and in the shadows next to them, you can see, just resting on all four haunches, one of these raven dogs that you saw running through the trees. And as you're watching two more of these raven dogs come into the room, Two Darklings hop on their backs, and they run off into the tunnels.
4: Okay, the river. Where's the uh, point of entry into this room?
1: Well, directly under you is the gate itself, and you can see the river splitting around it from up here, that eye shape that the gate and the rivers make as the river reforms on the other side, just to the right of where Light and Bito are. Uh, which is from the opposite side from where you will most likely be approaching, hmm. uh, as the water runs out from the side that Light and Bito are on, go around the gate, and then flow into the wall on the other side of the room.
4: Okay, uh, I think yeah, just taking all that in, just kind of his head cocking back and forth, uh, just two glowing orbs in the in the darkness uh, from his you know his eyes, and then he. Uh, I think that's all the reconnaissance we need and um, in this area and yeah whom flies back. Okay.
1: So flying back out the two hawks which have been waiting for you take off with you as well uh, as you fly back down sort of
4: straight uh, I was I was going to I sorry I meant uh, whom was going to leave the, um, the cave but then he did want to like kind of fly up the mountain a little bit to see if, if there's a place where the river goes, if there's a river up, you know, like if there's a, a an entry point.
1: Okay. Uh, make, a, make another perception or survival.
4: Uh, 16. They're um, the same.
1: You can't see any, like, there is no open water up this way. Uh, it looks like the stream that goes down through is, is an underground stream, probably flowing from somewhere much higher.
4: Mm-hmm. How about a, an exit point, um, like flying downhill and then working kind of downhill in patterns, looking for a, a waterfall or, or a, a spring?
1: Yeah. Uh, and you do find a, a couple of waterfalls. Uh, there is a large one that pours into the water that eventually feeds into the hot springs, and you see a smaller one, that just sort of trickles into a small brook that leads past the hot springs into the aether lock.
4: Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, fly back with that info.
1: So as you've uh, sort of finished dinner, the sun getting low in the sky, the...
4: Yeah.
3: At uh, at dinner also, Star would give Ben the... Uh, oh, Ben, uh, your, your, uh, your, your bird gave yeah. me this to give to you. Happy
4: birthday? What? And then,
3: yeah, he gives you the golden egg. Uh...
4: Oh, Oh, thanks! is it your birthday today? And Ben kind of like smiles like a little bit, but small smile. He's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, How old are you?
2: Ten. Yeah, they grow up pretty fast. I, I again, I cannot believe you're only ten years old.
5: Happy birthday.
4: Yeah, that's, oh, thanks. Thanks, Kara
2: hmm interesting and i start uh valen starts like looking at the the sky like i I guess like it's getting like twilight some of the stars are starting to like appear and i start jotting down like the position of the moon and the stars and i I start doing some astrology for your birthday (laughs) 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 and yuri comes over and yeah just puts a
1: hand on your shoulder and says i'm i'm sorry i had some plans big plans for your birthday but then the imminent uh death and and all that. Uh, Maybe we'll we'll celebrate at a happier time.
4: Uh, It's okay. Um, This feels like a weird time to have a birthday anyway. And uh, Ben kind of looks at you, Star, with like, I don't know, empathy Mm. on his face. Yeah,
3: Yeah. Star just smiles, but doesn't really say anything.
4: Yeah, and Ben just sticks the egg in in like a pocket on his... uh, Armor. His pants. Pants. Yeah. Pants got pockets. <laughs> Armor pockets. Uh, That's one thing I know about pants: pockets. Most of most of the time.
5: Yeah, I mean, if they're designed well.
4: Yeah. <laughs> let's let's get into it now. Let's side podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, misogyny
2: inherent Breeze in the fashion industry. Let's do it. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. It's called pocket dementia. <laughs> Uh, no. Oh.
4: Yes. oh, no,
1: it's a good title now. We it. We're
0: do it. Welcome back, we everybody, to Pocket do...
1: Dimension. Today, boob armor necessary or not?
4: And we review Pants of Holden. How
1: much do you need to armor the midriff? We'll look at that today. <laughs>
4: It's got all your organs in there. Does that matter? (laughs) People are normally aiming for the boobs.
3: Everyone knows that. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: I think Valen would look at at Ben and and just sort of say, "Uh, I'm I'm sure that if Rowan were here, he would have something wise to say about your birthday, about such an auspicious day, but uh, all all I can say to you Uh. is uh, good luck.
4: Good luck to you as well. Thank you.
1: Ah uh, yeah, okay. I'll I'll take a I'll take a swing at it. Uh Oh, we don't uh, have well, to do When I was young, I used to talk to my mother and she used to say, "You know, a birthday is like a secret <laughs> in that every day that it goes by, it gets a little bit more juicy and a little bit more interesting. And the more birthdays that you have and the more secrets that you have, the more that people want to talk to you to kind of peel those layers back.
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's the end of my <laughs>
0: Rowan <throwing> story. Not,
4: <laughs>
1: not, see, he, see, that's a nice see, thing I wish he would say sometimes because you never really know what he's done.
4: Well, I mean, he does usually kind of tie it all together with like a, like a point.
5: <laughs>
1: what do you mean? The point was that you, you have a birthday. I started, yeah. I led
2: with the point.
5: I mean... That, that might be are, the problem, you know? He doesn't leave his Yes, you're, you're often left often. wondering
2: for quite some time what the end result will be, but you're always enriched by the end. Well, and you, and you
3: know, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know what happened when Brie was here, you know what she would say? She would say something like, well, it's, it is another year where you don't get eaten.
4: All my <laughs> brothers died on their birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> something uh, yeah, like that.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
4: See, Bree, like, yeah, Rowan doesn't lead with points, and Bree is only points. <laughs> a lot of sharp points. Sharp points. Very pointy. Yeah, she's pointy. Yeah. She kind of... But they both make you, you know, they, you learn lessons. They, I've learned a lot from them.
2: Oh, look, whom is back. <laughs>
5: Adventurers! <laughs> I bring tidings!
4: And, like, yeah, he f- flaps down, and, and Ben rolls
5: his eyes. There, the entrance of which you made your escape before has been blocked by horrid brambles and plant matter. But I worked my way through with my superior aerial ability and observed the feline sister of yours and the small lizard in cages near the river and the gate.
3: Were they okay? Were they alive? Were they
5: awake? They were not awake. I could not ascertain without getting closer whether they were alive, but they were restrained, which one would probably not do if the objects of the restraints were deceased.
3: This is very good news.
5: They have made much progress. The Star Dance Gate is. Potentially operational.
3: Mm. And what about the river? Did you see? It? Did you see the river?
5: Saw so the river we, from um, above. We could not find where the river enters the mountain. Perhaps it's an underground source. But there are two hopeful points of exit for the river. One attaches to the hot springs of. Grumpf, where you were taking Little One?
4: Whom is like, you know, the size of a mango and calling you Little One, Kara. And then he, uh...
5: And the other works its way to the Aether Lock. Hmm. Are we trying to get in through the river? Uh, We'll talk about that later. (laughs) 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 Okay. All right. And now I'm quite famished, and require sustenance. Yeah, there's, and, there's
3: probably some dead mice. Uh, we, yeah, just You can go eat some of those over there.
5: Perfect. I have, I believe, found the small lizard's stash. Boom <laughs> 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 flaps off towards, uh... Make sure you leave some
2: for him when we get him back.
5: Mm, of course. Mmm, frozen mice. <laughs> mice pop. Okay.
4: Well, that's, I mean, that was, that's good news. Should we go check out one of those rivers?
0: I mean, I could, well, I guess I don't know how well they burn, but I could burn the Bramble entrance, although. Uh,
3: perhaps we should, I don't know if we should go investigate one of the, one of them tonight. I mean, do you think that they're close together?
4: I. I don't know. We could.
2: About how far away are we from. Those like river entry yeah, points, like, uh, like currently, uh,
1: walking you you'd be able to get there within an hour. Oh, you've moved pretty close to where the uh, to where the springs are, and the two uh, the two rivers are pretty close.
2: Right. I mean, we probably want to know if there is even room to get in. But, right. You know, the other
3: problem is that Lilia definitely knows that we're here.
2: Yes, and we should we should discuss what we want to do about those outriders.
4: Hmm. If the we should be safe up here, like the the cabin is still out of the ground, right?
2: Uh,
1: yeah the cab, the cabin is up. Uh, yeah, because we be moving, moving and, all day, and Diglin says we'll keep moving
2: tonight. I'll keep her up. But perhaps if we, if we, uh, if we neutralize the scouting party, we could perhaps. Gain a bit of. I think that's a good idea. Element of surprise. If we neutralize
3: them, then we might also buy the time to go investigate one of the, one of the sources.
1: They won't move. while the sun's still up. So if you you you've got a couple of well maybe an hour or so to get in position. It's a good chance they won't know you're coming.
3: They won't move until the sun comes up.
1: Until uh, the They're sun goes sensitive. down. Sorry.
3: Oh. Uh, right. I see. Right. Yes, and if we go during the day, the birds will see us. So,
2: um, yes. But I believe Diglin's suggesting if we wanted to ambush <laughs> the scouts, yes, exactly. we could get into position now.
3: I think that's a good idea, probably. Do we know where the scouts were last last? Were they were they came out of the woods last night, all
1: around. But if if that's the, their sort of base of operations, then they should be coming down the the mountain, I suppose.
2: So. We could place ourselves somewhere in the woods between the temple and the cabin.
0: If um, the entrance is blocked off, they might be coming out of a different hole and we might be able to track them back to the entrance they're using.
4: It's good thinking. Yeah, it'd be a good idea to know other ways to get out.
2: Do you think they would be using another um, similar portal? like they used through the tree uh, the previous time. That's very likely, no? Right, and uh, Mm. if I remember correctly, those were not incredibly permanent. Mm -mm. No. Mm. That's true. Uh, Quick enough, I guess,
1: if their purpose isn't to attack us, which it seems like it's not, feels like they're hurting us, if they, if you saw one of those and could slip through it, could be
2: another way. Although who knows when they come out. So we would either need to be there as soon as they popped out and to sneak in, or we would need to follow them back at dawn, or just before dawn. hmm But to follow them, we're not as fast as they are. Yes. And I don't believe we could be as stealthy as we would need to be if we were to keep up.
4: They are like shadow creatures, right? It would be really better for them at night than us, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, me and Star can see pretty good in the dark, but they can also, can't they just jump into trees and stuff? Like, what if they just come out of a tree near us and there's no way back and it seals up again? That's how they did it. That's how they did it before right well
3: what if we what if we get in the position in in the trees down there to within the next half hour or so wait for them to come neutralize the few that come use that chance to go investigate one of at least one of the entrances and uh, then uh, come back and then we'll know because there's only two we'll know that we'll know if one of them works or if one doesn't
4: Yeah, Valen, you can, like, look up through the water with magic, right?
2: I, yes, I, I, I could do that if I, if I, if I reserve some energy and don't use it in, in the fight.
0: If we're fighting them, I'll try and light us up so that they
5: can be at a bit of a disadvantage.
4: That's good.
3: Okay. Do we have a plan?
4: Set set an ambush. I'm on board. Just hide in, like, hide in the trees or near, like, nearby?
3: Uh, I'm comfortable hiding in the trees. That's where I should be, I think.
1: Any we take care of out here, you won't have to deal with in there. So, sounds like a good idea to me, regardless.
5: I I think we should.
4: Okay, Okay, I'll,
2: I'll
4: get my, I'll get my gear.
2: Yeah, you just see Valen cast mage armor. As the party makes their
1: way to prepare for the ambush, Bree and Rowan step out of the Crystal Cathedral and into the town square, lit dimly by the leaking blue cube. They step once again into the shadows of the massive storm giant statues surrounding them. So stepping back out of the cathedral onto the staircase, that cube above still leaking out these little blue electric motes, which are drifting lazily in different directions as if carried by a breeze that you can't feel. Mm. Rowan, when you step outside, all the ones nearby latch onto your key again as well. And as you move along and more of them latch on and on, this light that you're giving off, this, this sort of key torch that you've been using gives off more and more light as more motes attached to it. Heading back towards the forge, uh, looking through, yeah, the doors here are much larger than the doors that lead into the residential areas. Mm-hmm. And as you move in here again, your light as you step inside comes across a large anvil. It's much brighter in here now. The the Having turned on the lights of the city, this is one of the sections that did power back
6: up mm. okay
1: there is another one of these cubes in the ceiling that is casting quite a bright light now as you come in here uh, mm. showing this just gargantuan anvil too too big even for a giant to be practical
7: oh wow more like a statue
1: yeah like a statue it looks it looks decorative more than anything okay but lining the outside of the area on this this room which is a, again like a circle. Uh, all along the outside are small forges, uh, each one with a with a much more practical anvil with its own um, bellows, and you can see that all of them have these different colored cubes next to them, and you can see steam drifting out of some of these bellows, still having not cleared from when you turned this area on.
6: Okay, so, so this becomes clear that this was a primary source of that hissing noise in that
1: yeah you can still see the the little bits of steam and you can smell it in here because there is no usually no other smell but you can hear smell now this superheated water which has been yeah uh, immediately turned to steam
6: oh well there we go that's one mystery solved already so so this is this is good this is momentum right we can we can build on this oh, this is uh, quite a number of workshops in here and
1: in the back of the room uh, opposite to where the like, like, this would be facing away from the center of the city. Mm. There is a large, what looks like a, a warehouse or, like, even a, a library. Uh-huh. uh These big stone pillars, beautifully engraved again, showing different types of foliage wrapping up around the outside of the columns. Mm. And two statues of stone giants, one wielding a battle axe and one wielding a war hammer... Standing on either side of the doorway, each of them holding an olive branch over the arches of the door.
6: So, to be clear, these aren't stone giants, but stone giants, like statues of like the creatures of
1: storm giants. Okay. Yeah, an important thing to clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just be some
7: stone giants in here.
6: Okay, so statues of of storm giants. Mm-hmm. And
7: do any of these these forges all around? Do any of them look to be? because we know that there's like we went to like the master smith's house do any of these forges look like they would belong to someone of a higher smithing status than the others yeah no so all of them look to
1: be like they're all beautifully maintained Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. and all of them have all of the fixings that you would need to uh practice blacksmithing and looking over this area just like a lot of the other places it does serve a purpose but is made to be overly social there are places to sit there are places to eat and converse and seemingly look out through the dome in this area and there also just happens to be a lot of forges here none of them uh, especially adorned to show like uh, a master student relationship or anything like that Okay. Mm.
7: sounds like a lovely city to live and work in honestly honestly yeah so communal and and social what a joy what a life they must have lived before the squid people attacked
6: (laughs) Yeah, it's stunning. So we have all of these forges. Are there any um, structures like like buildings as well, besides the statuary and uh, and the forges themselves?
1: Uh, just this sort of warehouse at the back is the only is the only other structure.
7: Mm. Well, should we uh shall we take a look in there before we continue? I, I would hate yeah. for something to sneak up behind us.
6: Well, we would, yeah, there's that, uh, I, honestly, Brie, uh, I'm trying not to even think about that bit. I, this is probably where they're going to store their, their materials, their raw materials, you know, we'll probably find ingots and, and things. I mean, that's just a guess, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me. And maybe, hmm, I, I mean, depending on how much I guess, and though there probably isn't much in there, come to think of it, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud, I, if they've been trapped in this for a while, that, that's probably good and empty, uh, But still, yes, uh, let's have a look. And I'm like looking all my eyes are constantly moving, trying to take in as much detail as possible. Uh, I'm clearly shaken by everything that's going on um, and just trying to absorb as much information about my surroundings as possible.
7: (laughs) Uh, Bria is definitely on a defensive stance along with you. Like she's constantly kind of looking over her shoulder and uh, I imagine as like little bits of steam and maybe still spout out of one of the spots, Mm. you know, you can tell that she's, she's jumpy.
1: Yeah. So I, I think both of you jump as you hear a dull, like bong on the outside of the crystal wall. And like your eyes look up to right above you where this dome extends up over the warehouse. And you see on the opposite side, on the same side as this warehouse, one of these eyeless creatures has hit the side of the wall and is just holding on its mouth kind of like probing the outside of yeah. the wall
7: all right, well, let us move fast if we can get to the next area uh, perhaps we can lock the doors and ensure that they do not yeah they're not yeah, able to come in from
6: the entrance they they don't have eyes but but do you think they they sense all the light do you, do you think we just kind of you know turn turned on an open sign?
4: uh it is
7: hard to say it seems as if the giants turned off the lights not to avoid them but to avoid having to see that
6: yeah right right i mean i mean that's the that's the impression that i got you know uh, yeah o- okay i'll i'll okay yeah no that makes more sense uh, all right and uh, i head towards the the warehouse
1: okay so there's a small staircase again leading up into the warehouse as you pass under the arms of these two huge statuesque giants stepping inside you can see there are lines and lines of weapon and armor racks. Again, looking very individual, like each one of them was made for someone in particular. Mm. All of them are empty, as the blue light that you carry in with you, this building itself is not lit as you walk inside. So the blue light just extending out, washing over these rows and rows of empty armor racks. Hmm. The rest of the warehouse itself seems to be completely empty and dark, except as you like turn to inspect one area and you look back, at the very back of the warehouse, somewhere off in the dark, there is a green glow, again washing this water reflection over the back wall, something mm-hmm. obscured by the racks.
6: Oh, Bree, it kills me that we gotta figure out what that is.
7: Uh, yeah, but, uh, well, I would like to take a look around this place if the materials they craft out of here are are such good quality, it's even
6: a scrap would be of use to me. Yeah, no, definitely, okay, uh, I'm gonna sneak up on that creepy, creepy light.
7: Well, why don't, uh, and, and Bree reaches forward to, like, take the key from you. Uh, you are better in
6: dark i am better as uh object of attention i think the second part of that is 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 very true uh, and so we'll go with that plan and um i i like go to go off into the dark immediately stub my toe on something and like <laughs> kind of hop and be like that was fine that does nothing and then uh, i'll like kind of crouch and slowly like tapping the ground with my hands move my way into the dark towards this light
1: And if not for how awkward it looks, it would look awesome because the cloak of the deceiver (laughs) blending into the shadows, like as soon as the light leaves you, you are immediately like enveloped
7: in shadow with this cloak. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to be as big and kind of not necessarily noisy, but as, as I take up as much room as I can sort
6: of thing.
1: Okay. Should
7: I do a stealth roll or does it? You can do a stealth roll.
1: Yeah. Uh, So you can do advantage because of the cloak.
6: Mm hmm. All right, 14. And I think I get plus three. Let's have a look. Oh, wow, plus six. That's not bad at all. I get that's a dirty 20.
1: Dirty 20? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, moving your way backwards, just focused on this green light, trying to peer around the now silhouetted uh, armor racks in front of you, slowly making your way forward. But you do feel yourself get a little more comfortable. Like the cloak itself is kind of almost okay. helping you slither through the darkness. Uh, Bree, you're having a much easier time getting around with this big blue light <laughs> that you're casting around you. Uh, so what do you... Do you want to do, like, an investigation? Are you looking for something in particular or just...
7: Uh, can I... I guess just do a perception. I, I wouldn't want to, I'm not looking for metals or anything because Bree isn't really a metal worker, um, but I think any kind of materials, scraps of materials that would, it would grab my interest. I'm just trying to like grab quick glances of, and also just keep an eye out for eyeless monsters. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so yeah, you can do perception or investigation.
7: I'll do perception because my investigation is garbage. Uh, nine plus five, 14. 14? Nice.
1: Um, So there are no, uh, I think thankfully right now, no windows in this building, nothing leading out into the depths outside. Um, As you do feel, I think especially cognizant that this building is pressed up against the outside of the dome, where Mm -hmm. somewhere outside this eyeless creature is padding around on the crystal exterior. But as you walk through, it, it is extremely empty in here uh and you can actually see some of these armor racks as you make your way away from the center are tipped over as if things were taken in a rush Mm -hmm. and you don't find anything i think that's especially exciting to brie but you do notice that there are two armor racks that have a single piece of armor on each of them they each have a metal horned helmet Suitable for mm. a giant's head, quite large, uh, and each of them are just laid where they would be on those armor racks, and the bottoms of the armor racks are covered in like long wilted, mummified, desiccated
7: flowers. Hmm. I I think Bree would kind of pass by with the torch uh, and look at them and see the flowers as well. I'm I'm trying. To- trying to think about funerary rites in wild animal culture <laughs> and what she would understand of something like this. Um, I, I just don't think that she would have any interest in taking those, like taking the helmets. She, she, her bag is already pretty full, so it's only kind of like scraps of stuff that I can take. And if I can't wear one of those helmets, it's of no use to me. It's um, way
1: too big, and you can tell it would take a lot of work to you know, work the metal off of it and get anything usable out of it.
7: Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, so I think just Reed would kind of pass over, look at the flowers, and and have a probably have a feeling of moment of sadness, maybe even emanating from the axe, um, yeah, uh, Mm -hmm. of like compassion towards what is clearly uh, some sort of funerary marker, uh, Mm -hmm. and then keep going.
1: Yeah, I think I think like from the axe, you're getting a sadness and also a pride.
6: Okay. Cool.
1: It, uh, yeah, I think, I think it warms you in that the feeling of fear of this thing outside drains away a little bit. Cool, cool. Rowan, as you make your way closer to the back now, as you mm. reach your hand forward, checking for an armor rack, it suddenly pushes into the green light now, washing over that hand. And you make your way around the outside of an armor rack, mm-hmm. and you see a crystal... Display case. Oh, just a uh, just a rectangular crystal display case, and this green light is emanating from inside of it. And you see, it, it looks like a, a workstation. There are several broken tools,
6: okay, scattered Not on this. In Not mean, in the yeah. case. Not in yeah, okay. the case, but around the
1: case. Yeah, on this workbench that it sits on. The glow itself is coming from this dull green orb that sits on the pommel of this black leather whip.
6: Cool. Okay.
1: Looking at it from here you can see this is like an extremely long whip with this black leather that has circles gouged into the leather to look almost like a squid's tentacle. Ooh. Wow. And you can see these broken tools and like a a workbook. Next to it,
6: I first of all I realize that I'm I'm quietly shushing my own heartbeat. Um, <laughs> i like quietly this whole time, being like, shh, 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 shh. and then it occurs to me that the noise is my own heartbeats, and uh, I, I stifle a chuckle, and I look over and I see Bree still like over waving the light around and and checking out something that's gleaming. I can't quite see it, and uh, I, I kind of look a- around into the dark and, and see that there's nothing that I can see moving, and so I kind of slowly reach forward and, and pick up this web.
1: Yeah, so it's actually behind a, behind like a blue crystal case.
6: Right, my fingers hit the case, and it's like, oh, okay, you, you really got to get your brain in the game here, Rowan. You, you got to <laughs> get your brain in the game. Um, is there a way to... Okay. Before I even open that, are there any papers on this desk that I can that I can read, like any documents or anything like that?
1: There are. There is what what looks like some sort of workbook or something on the yeah. next to the broken tools.
6: Yeah. Okay. So I, I drag my eyes off of that green orb, and. Uh, and focus in on that workbook and I'm, I'm going to kind of quickly peruse it. Uh, if I need to pick it up and kind of angle it towards the light, that's what I'll do. But I'm going to kind of scan it and see if there's anything uh, of note.
1: Yeah. So I think you have to almost turn back on to the whip to use its green glow to read the pages.
6: Okay. Yeah. So there's like a bunch of rustling as I like this over large book and I've kind of like got it propped up and sort of angling <laughs> it in and, and, and is out there like listening to all of this rustling and like <laughs> noise making. And like I knock something off the desk and I'm just like, oh, Come on. Okay. All right. I forget
7: sometimes that everything is so oversized in this place. <laughs> yeah. It's super big, yeah, and it's also super
1: quiet, so extremely easy to hear all this.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just yeah. So I'm uh, I'm doing that, and I finally managed to get it like kind of propped half into my my like my belt buckle to kind of like hold it up, and then like out, like arms kind of wrapped, and there's like a page that keeps folding over, and I've got to blow it over again and and finally get to read it.
1: Um, so flicking through it a little bit, you see there are a lot of notes on uh, kind of progress reports. Nothing super official, but almost like journaling of... Uh, with a, with a wording of pride from this forge master, it seems, that is taking notes on uh, different people who have been experimenting with the forges, trying to build their own weapons. Uh, it, cool. it seems he has like a checklist of success... Uh, that he used to impart on people who were looking to build their own weapons. Oh. Hmm. Uh, and, and so you you see him sort of lovingly writing about the mistakes that these people are making and what they've learned from them. You see a couple of specifications for these solutions that he has clearly not told his students, but right. has written down just because he already knows the answer and is hoping they will come up with it eventually. Yeah, okay. Um, a, a lot of, like, cool. very the, this this sort of personal journal... Uh, And then coming to the end, you see there are pages have been like scribbled out, torn out in frustration. You see drawings of this whip with notes on the outside of them uh, of different tests that have been done on it. And it eventually with with these sort of frustrated scribblings eventually comes to uh, a very short entry on it hmm It says, I cannot destroy it. I fear it. If the one who made it is the one who has called us, then I fear we've delved too deep. I hope that this attack will steer Magda off this path. Hmm. This was the Emissary's only piece of equipment, and the whip now carries no discernible trace of that terrible power it wielded against us. And as you read this, there is another rumbling from the doorway outside, the sickly green wash from outside again pierces the door, now lighting up basically the whole thing reminiscent of a graveyard, these empty armaments all the way down, just rows and rows of them casting each their own shadow, and behind you, you hear the display case shatter.
6: I dropped the book, for sure.
1: (laughs) And yeah, you turn around the the blue crystal of this display case just lying shattered around the whip.
6: Now, my first thought is whether or not that blue crystal is the same type of crystal that's doming in all of the city. It looks like it, yes. Great. Okay, so I, I kind of freeze as I realize that there's... You know okay this crystal broke and that crystal looks an awful like 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 that other crystal and then if that broke and then i imagine water and then i just start shaking my head a little bit i'm like all right okay some roads we we, yeah nope we don't need to we don't need to all right (sighs) okay uh and i'll um while i'm trying to calm myself down i guess i without really thinking about it go to pick up that whip yeah, as I'm like focusing on my breathing and like trying not to think about that crystal shattering and like, oh, yeah, OK. And I just kind of just to like tidy up the mess, I like pick up the whip to, to move it somewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've I've got that in my hands before I've even realized what I'm doing. Uh, and then I stare at that kind of expecting my hand to like shrivel up and fall off. But it doesn't. OK.
1: It feels good in your hands and looking down at it in your hand, your eye is drawn down to the pommel, where this green light is now washing over your face. I think Bree, with this whole room lit up now, you move to just the perfect angle to look through these armor stands down to Rowan, who is staring down at this whip, the pommel casting this green light up on his face, the water reflections just waving over them with his eyes wide, and then the pommel and the green light from outside go out. And the back of the warehouse is cast into darkness again.
7: Rowan, what the hells was that?
1: And you do hear that. It sounds muffled. But slowly... The last thing you remember is just kind of moving glass. Hmm. And now you have the reassuring feeling of this whip in your hand... And you're standing yeah. in the dark
6: No one can see me But I think my posture is great right now uh, My shoulders are squared I'm just relieved For the first time in a while Breathing's easier I I, I think I, I think we can probably help That creature and ourselves To get out of this situation And uh, I realize that yeah, that I need to tell Brie that, that, that that I think it's going to be good if if we can figure out a way. Yeah, I, I think this is all right. And so I, I go to like walk towards Brie, but I remember and I pick up that journal because there was some nice craftsmanship notes there that I think she'd appreciate. Uh, and I just upright, very straight back, squared shoulders. Uh, I just to uh, towards Brie. Uh, oh, oh Brie. I heard something break. Oh, yeah. No, that was just a case. That's all right. But but I've got this this journal here. I I think you'd appreciate it. It's from what looks to be a a pretty good craftsman. And they've got all kinds of nice little notes here on things to look out for and ways to really hone your craft. And I thought... Well, you—you you mean the the residential uh, a crafts person? Uh, you know, there's some nice tips in here, and um, I've got the the whip sort of tucked under my my arm right now, kind of still coiled. Um, but I'm I'm also a lot ta- like well, not a lot. I'm also a bit taller than what uh, I've been because I'm I'm standing sort of straight uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, I don't quite look so so sloped and uh, and and gangly. Oh, well,
7: uh. Uh, that, that is good. Uh, it would be uh, helpful to learn from such good masters. Uh, what is what is this? Uh, pointing at the, the whip under your shoulder. He's got pretty good passive perception as well, so I figure <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see that. Yeah, so I think
1: especially after that, that strange thing you just saw before the lights went
6: out. Yeah. What? Oh, oh, this? Yeah, no, this is just a silly. Look, look at this. It's, it's a, it's a whip I found. I mean, this will be, this will be handy. And uh, he's like a tail or a tentacle. Well, yeah, right. I mean, it kind of looks like that, and it's, uh, it's not lit, right? It's still dark.
1: It is dark again. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, this orb actually, like as you step into the blue light, it's just a green glass orb that doesn't seem to like pick up the light coming off the key or anything. Mm-hmm. It, it, it looks pretty unremarkable.
6: Yeah. You know, my, my, my grandfather used to whip all the time. He, he he used to use that it helped him climb trees mostly. I mean, that's kind of what he used it for. But he'd also do all kinds of little tricks with it, like like one. And I I'd kind of like bring it up over my head and I, I go to try to crack it out to the side.
1: Yeah. And like you've done it a thousand times.
6: Yeah, yeah, it just kind of quacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he had all kinds of tricks. I, I mean, I, mm. you know, mm. I should try to remember some of those things. But uh, but yeah, anyway, I just found this over there. Uh, I fought tree
7: once uh, that was very similar. He's like many little vines. I'll come out and get you all at once. He's good. It can be good weapon, I suppose. Oh, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're handy little things, that's for sure. And, and you know, Bri, I'm, I'm thinking, if that creature out there is saying... Uh, you know, asking us to help it. I, now, hold on. I, I don't think we need to necessarily help that thing, but, uh... Well, if it, it clearly knows more about the situation than we do, so so maybe we should, uh... You know, maybe we should reach out and, and, and see what it knows.
7: Oh, well, uh... We explore the next room. It showed that what it wanted was nearby.
6: Yeah, right. Uh, uh, you know...
7: I think we just go from, uh... Place to place and... and...
6: See what happens then. Mm-hmm. And I've got, a, like, a, a big, friendly smile on my face, and I, like, clap a big old furball hand on your shoulder and be like, you know, Bria, I think we're going to be all right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, am, I am glad to hear. I, I think we will get out of this too, Rowan. No, oh, absolutely. And I think of the stories we're going to have to tell. I mean, they're, they're going to be, oh, they're, they're going to be good stories. Oh, he's going to have to talk to little tiny cat for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you know weirdly enough I I haven't spoken much to those woads but when I get back I'm going to make a point and uh, have a good old conversation with those woads they like nice stories Uh, I I don't practice my sylvan much
7: yeah and I think Bree just like puts an arm around your shoulder and leads you out having no idea that even something (laughs) like a cursed item could even possibly exist this is completely outside of a realm of understanding so yeah Um, yeah yeah Bree seems great Bree seems
3: happy (laughs) yeah
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Wonders and Blunders. Ben and Whom were played by Mitchell Bradbury. Bree was played by Kieran Dyke. Kara was played by Kate Clark. Rowan was played by Andy Woolridge. Star was played by Robert. Phelan was played by Evan Walsh. The World of Fadoon was created by your dungeon mom, Mike Fardy, and exists in the D&D 5e system published by Wizards of the Coast. Our logo was created by Mike Butler, and our character art was created by Mike Fian and Bretpot. Available links to the players and artists can be found in the show notes. Go check them out. We are an independent podcast supported by you, the listener. To support the show, go check out patreon.com slash Blunder, leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice, and follow us on social media, at wonderandblunder. Thanks for continuing to listen and spreading the word. It means the world to us. And as always, keep being the best, we love you very much, and we'll see you next week.
6: Goodbye.